Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome as we stay grateful and positive about the end of Roe versus Wade. It's a good time to remember Americans who devoted their lives after 1973, decade after decade, just to get to this point where unborn babies have a chance at survival in the womb. Babies are that part of the equation the media seem to want you to forget. They now all lament in unison that poor women and black women will be hardest hit. <coughs> Can we remind you who has been hardest hit in an abortion? The baby is hardest hit. The baby seems to get forgotten in all this coverage because feminists, it's not just a clump of cells at you know four weeks after conception. To them, it's a clump of cells until they decide it's not. This has always been the science of abortion. It's not a baby till I decide it is. Now, if a mom wants to call it a baby, that's okay. But if a woman's not pregnant and happy, then you can't call it a baby. It's called a fetus. And as we know, at that point, they don't want a fetus to come and meet us. Uh, Brent Bozell and I have uh, basically suggested that fetus was an F word. To me, it doesn't make any sense where you would say that if you misgender a transgender... If I say Bruce Jenner, that's a Bruce misgender. If that's rude, if that's offensive, if that should never happen, I would like to tell you that calling an unborn child a fetus is a dehumanizing abuse of the English language and should not be used in news stories. Now, for the first thing that, uh, well, was surprising amusing, desperately in need of a fact check, is one Sarah Elizabeth Cup. Some of us remember back in the day when S.E. Cup was brought on to the Fox News Channel as sort of a Sean Hannity info babe. And of course, when you were an info babe on Fox, that's certainly the way they treated you. They didn't show you respect because you're not a feminist. Now... S.E. Cups at CNN. And, you know, when she first got there, there was sort of this, oh, hey, let's kind of let the Fox lady be a little bit in the center. We'll let her have a show with dissenting viewpoints. I mean, maybe there'll be a conservative on there. But as this always happens, and certainly, again, under Trump, that all washed away. And now it's like, you know, comrade S.E. Cup report. For pundit duty. Uh, but this this was something else. So they were having one of these roundtables on CNN's New Day on Monday morning. This was not really a group of ladies who were of diverging opinions. Although there was some divergence on the extreme overreaction of Sarah Elizabeth Cup. S.E. Again, the question that, that Brianna asked, I think, is the right one. It's sort of now what what are now that 
anti-abortion activists got what they wanted, right, which is to overturn Roe versus Wade. What happens now politically, do you think? It's hard to imagine the Republican Party surviving this. Um, between anti-abortion, anti-LGBTQ, book banning, anti-democracy, I mean, add all the regressive bullshit, uh, garbage, sorry, to this, I don't take that back, um, add it all together, and I don't know who's left in the future, in future generations to be drawn to this party. It's hard to imagine the grand old party surviving this dramatic victory. Yes, it's like the Berlin Wall falls and they say, well, I think democracy is over. (laughs) It's actually, it is actually, it reminds me of Mary Tillotson, CNN news anchor Mary Tillotson, uh, in the late hours after the Republicans take back the House in 1994, which was in a weird way, sort of a moment like this. Not as great a moment for the babies for humanity, but this was a, a big moment for conservatives. The, the Republicans had taken the House in 1994, and Mary Tillotson late in the evening, after midnight, had said, well, isn't this going to be bad for the Republicans going forward? You know, <laughs> We at CNN always want to forecast doom and gloom for the Republicans. And as we've told this story before, Ed Turner was then at CNN, and he heard her say that and thought, oh, the Media Research Center is going to get this. No, 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 it's after midnight. Maybe they won't get it. Ha <laughs> ha! Yes, we did. Brent Baker was on it. Uh, but, you know, this is the funny thing is when Cup claims that the GOP will never survive. It's now all shrinking and condensing. It's like somebody poured the water on the Wicked Witch. At the same time, many people uh, were tweeting this back. Oh, look, there's an Associated Press story today. More than one million voters switched registration to the Republican Party in the last year. Now how stupid do you look, S.E. Cup? You don't look like you got a B.A., that's for sure. Now, I, I, I will say this. Let's make one point in the media's favor over the weekend. You know, when the Alito decision leaked a few weeks back, our Jeff Dickens found that over the first few days of news reports, the pro-abortion talking heads were favored like three to one. It was like a 153 to 57 or something like that. It was a three to one slant. Uh, Over this weekend, we found something a little closer to parity. Maybe not perfect. Obviously, the tone of the coverage was tilted like, oh, no. It's funny. It's like Freddy Krueger showed up instead of Freddy Krueger got put away. Uh, but it was it was something closer to 50-50. Well, you know, and, and the pro-life movement had their say, and they even had some joy. They showed, showed joy on the pro-life side, rage on the left, and yet on reliably liberal, reliable sources. Brian Stelter thought, this sort of fair and balanced approach was just misleading. Think about this in the coverage in the last couple of days. Kate, I see all these split screen images, you know, one person who's cheering, another person who's jeering. I see tears on one side and then I see celebrations on the other. That 50-50 split 
Isn't that actually misleading? Isn't that actually distorting? Absolutely, Brian. That is a complete distortion of the facts. Sort of the comedy of all of this is Brian Stelter's got a panel. He's got Kate Smith, the Planned Parenthood robot, who used to be the Planned Parenthood robot at CBS, but they pretended she was a reporter. They had this lady from Slate, right? I mean, there was he has a 100% to zero panel, and he's saying it's 50-50 misleading. And then it's, it, what's really misleading is Kate Smith goes on to say, oh, I was very fair and balanced at CBS. If anything, I regret maybe giving too much to the pro-life side, which, of course, is a pants-on-fire lie. If you look at what we've done, when Kate Smith was at CBS and she would interview her future boss at Planned Parenthood, it was smoochy, smoochy. Kate Smith wants to show us the video clips of her being nicey, nicey to Marjorie Dannenfelser or Lila Rose or some other leader of the pro-life movement. I'd like to see it. I don't think that tape exists. I will say this, as long as we're being generous today, Brian Stelter said one thing that we should point out. He posted a study uh, or graphic from the Center for Strategic and International Studies that showed that 73% of attacks related to demonstrations in 2021 came from violent far-left individuals. Now, he didn't say the word 73%. But he did post that on screen. And look, just the whole notion of uh, that the far left has violence and that that is a problem. You know, Brian did this in a way where he said both sides don't want to admit the violence of their side. That would be a problem. And that's where I thought, good for you. Kudos to you, Brian Stelter, to at least say what we've tried to say here is the media should stand up as being against political violence. Wouldn't that be a good place for the media to start rebuilding their credibility with people who don't watch them? Is to say, yes, we have a problem on the far right. If you define the far right as violent and the far left violent, let's, let's, say, let's call that out. Now, I didn't read the entire CSIS study when I tweeted out kudos to Brian. I did give it a look now in the meantime. And, uh, you know, it's it's making some points. I'm not going to say I would agree with everything the way that they're doing things. But it's got the focus at the right point. And that is to say we have had. Uh, a lot of focus on January 6th. And we know that that violence and, and rioting was unique because of where it occurred, that the Capitol's more important than somebody, you know, trashing a furniture shop. Obviously, you don't feel that way if it's your furniture shop. Um, but on the other hand, we should expect liberal media who try to say they think that they're the voice for democracy and civility and whatnot should be able to say we're, we're against burning down furniture stores. We're against burning down the CVS. We're against breaking all the windows at the Starbucks. Even if the Starbucks is, you know, Starbucks is so liberal, they'll probably break their own windows in solidarity. <laughs> but um, I think over the weekend... We had some attacks here in Reston, Virginia. 
just a few miles down the road on Lawyer's Road, kind of on my commute home, at St. John Newman Catholic Church. Some of us have gone there occasionally for the Ash Wednesday Mass in midday, but they had uh, potential arson and vandalism. WTOP in Washington reports, Fairfax County Fire and Rescue responded just before 7 a.m. on Sunday to a report of smoldering mulch at the church. Fire and Rescue told police they believed an accelerant was used to spark the flames and they saw spray paint on a sign at the church entrance. There was. There was also spray-painted messages elsewhere. Um, but they had volunteers scrubbing that paint right down on Sunday, they, which is great. Go, you know, There's a piece of me that's like, I sort of wanted to drive in today and get a look at it, but it was already gone. It was already cleaned up. Good for you. Because, I mean, obviously... You didn't want people who were coming to church in Reston on Sunday to come to a vandalized church. You know, you didn't want people to feel unsafe. And this is exactly the point is that it's really funny to me that they would be so upset that they were rude yelling people outside an abortion clinic. I don't believe in rudely yelling at people going into an abortion clinic. I do think that you could, you know, You'd probably end up saying things they'll still find offensive, like, please don't kill your baby. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, but, you know, they, they love showing these clips where it's like, you are the spawn of Satan. You will roar in, in hellfire. You know, you know. I don't know if that that's a persuasive thing to get them to turn around and get back in the car. Uh, but boy, the news media loves sharing that kind of thing. So this is what we're trying to kind of say here is uh, there's extremes on both sides. There's uncivil things said on both sides. There's lots of anti-Catholic things being said by people. I can tell you that those are probably not going to make the news media. And even if they did, people might not even understand how offensive they are. Anyway... The, uh, we should also say, I noted on Sunday on Face the Nation, we got so close to a mention of Jane's revenge. We actually saw the words on screen on Face the Nation. Margaret Brennan was interviewing Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. And she said, I want to ask you about this Homeland Security warning that domestic violent extremists may intensify violence. In the bulletin that CBS obtained, it specifically mentioned an incident in Michigan related to a pro-abortion rights group. That's where Jane's Revenge is on screen. How concerned are you about violence? What are you seeing on the ground? And, of course, Whitmer turns it back to, oh, there's more guns in the streets and there's less health care. You know, she gets to, to change the subject a little bit. Um, but we should say... Governor Whitmer had a pretty easy time of it with Margaret Brennan. Then Governor Christy Nome was on, on Face the Nation, and it was very feisty very quickly. You know, and Governor Nome was trying to talk about how she thinks that prescribing pills for abortions and doing it remote with a computer doesn't strike her as sound medicine, and she doesn't like it, and she doesn't think it should be legal. And Margaret Brennan just getting in her face, not letting her finish sentences. This is, the ch this is the difference. 
You know, the toughest question Margaret Brennan had for Whitmer is, wasn't this a failure of the Democratic Party? <laughs> that the that Roe versus Wade got overturned, which basically means, can't we blame Hillary Clinton and maybe Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Because somebody didn't talk Ruth Bader Ginsburg into retiring under a Barack Obama. The arrogance of Ruth Bader Ginsburg who thought, one, that Hillary was going to win, and then two, that she was somehow going to outlive President Trump's term. But uh, that's the toughest question Brennan had for Whitmer. And then the one that really stuck out to me, sort of the question of the day in obnoxiousness was over on ABC. Uh Kevin Tober noted that ABC had one of these, and I, they were not alone, but Martha Raddatz started it with like, you know, oh, this morning, a constitutional right has been taken away. You know, technically, Martha and the rest of you, abortion's not in the Constitution. They run around saying the Second Amendment's about muskets, and then they say abortion's in the Constitution. Anyway. Martha Raddatz was also all over Governor Nome. She had to say, what should the punishment for women who receive abortions be? She, she insisted that several times. Governor Nome said she wasn't interested in prosecuting women. Then Raddatz was like, the American Medical Association calls this decision a brazen violation of patients' rights saying that the states that end legal abortion will not end abortion. They will end safe abortion. <clears throat> Excuse me, Martha Raddatz. Can we talk to you about the term safe abortion? Safe for whom? This is where you just want to say to these people, are you stupid? Are you mentally ill? Or are you just willingly avoiding who's getting killed? But this is the kind of question that Martha Raddatz gives to Christy. No, but the first uh, the first question that Martha Raddatz asked Elizabeth Warren was just the worst. It was the outrage of the day. After you throw all these hardballs about safe abortions at the Republican governor, this is what we got when Elizabeth Warren got her turn. Good morning to you, Senator. You heard Governor Nome there. She and millions of others believe this will save the lives of unborn children. Is that a position you can respect in any way? This is one of those, you know, where I do actually want to throw my remote control, but I don't want to break my own television. You heard Governor Nome. She and millions of others believe this will save unborn children. Once again, Martha Raddatz, are you an idiot? Are you a moron? Should you be take, have your driver's license taken away for being an idiot? How do you say this like this? Millions of people believe ending abortion saves the lives of children. <laughs> Somehow it's not a fact that a ban on abortion would save some babies? Hello? Speaking of fact-checking, here's the next thing we're going to expect. Well, it already happened. I could have said to you on Friday, all right, what's going to happen is PolitiFact's going to defend something stupid Joe Biden said and say it's mostly true. So they plucked out of his speech his remarks on Friday, 
the devout Catholic president being outraged that unborn babies might live somewhere when a mother didn't want it. Mother. The life of the mother. Do we use the word mother for people who want to kill their own kid? Or do we save the life of the murderer? I just, um, I am a little bit torn about, uh, I think they're right, personally, that a woman who procures an abortion is like a woman who procures a hitman. So, you know, but people are all saying, well, look, let's not, let's not prosecute the woman. It just gives Martha Raddatz an excuse. But uh, Biden in this speech said that this decision makes the United States a global outlier on abortion. Now suddenly it's so unlike other countries. I don't think this is true. Uh, in reality, the United States was a global outlier before the Supreme Court ruled. But this is what the quickie summary that PolitiFact has. They have this little quickie summary at the top that basically says, if you really can't read and want the third grade version of this, here's our talking points. They were this. The reversal of Roe versus Wade eliminated the national right to abortion access in the U.S., leaving it to states to regulate. That makes the U.S. an outlier among other developed nations which have laws or court rulings that provide for national access to abortion. You see how this is cute? So the court basically says, we're sending this back to the states. It's not a national ban. We're sending this back to the states where we think it belongs. And PolitiFact says, well, because... It's not a national, you know, a national abortion on demand that makes you an outlier. They concluded the ruling eliminates the national right to abortion, which puts the U.S. at odds with other developed nations, including the other six G7 nations. Most of which have laws or court rulings that provide for abortion access on a national basis, though with restrictions. Hmm. The U.S. ruling does leave in place state laws that permit abortion. We rate Biden's statement mostly true. See, now what matters here in the fact check is Biden mostly true. The rest of it is a messy soup. It's a puddle of mud. Because, yes, the reality is you're not a global outlier when you're not that different from France or Germany and Italy. This is in their own fact check. France. Restricts elective abortions after 12 to 14 weeks, but has exceptions for specific economic or mental health reasons. Germany restricts elective abortions after 12 to 14 weeks. Italy restricts elective abortions after 12 to 14 weeks. So where is the United States an outlier among the G7? Canada, actually. Canada has exactly the same problem PolitiFact is assigning to the United States. Nationally, it says it has a national right to abortion, but the abortion lobby in Canada notes that the provincial governments have some gestational limits. So it would appear there are some Canadian versions of Mississippi, Manitoba, New Brunswick, and Newfoundland and Labrador. I had to look that up. Their, their abbreviation was NL. I'm like, what's NL? Newfoundland and Labrador. Manitoba, New Brunswick, and Newfoundland have a 16-week limit, and it's 13 weeks for Yukon and Nunavut. What do they used to call that? The Northwest Territories. 
12 weeks for Prince Edward Island. So it, it would kind of make you wonder if the people from New Brunswick or Prince Edward Island try to sneak into Maine. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, you know, Canada is like the United States. So the idea that somehow the America's an outlier, it's just something else. Um, one last thing. This is as, as long as I'm going to go back to Martha Raddatz for a minute. When she was asking about how Susan Collins is now upset that she feels misled about Justice Kavanaugh said he wasn't going to vote it, you know, they all gave questions about their answers about Roe versus Wade or about settled law or precedent that were probably designed to get them confirmed. But they, you know, they didn't say, I will not overturn Roe versus Wade. They didn't make those promises. And the Democrats weren't going to make them because that sort of makes, you know, it makes the confirmation process more like an election process. But this is sort of the deal, is that they're like, well, I had, you sort of promised me you weren't going to do this. Well, I don't know. They didn't explicitly make that promise. Well, now you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who wants justices impeached, impeached for lying. Oh, well, we never... You know, you didn't, you, the Democrats didn't want to impeach Bill Clinton for lying. I never had sexual relations with that woman, whatever her name is. And, uh, but anyway, uh, this is the thing that bothers me about liberals and abortion. We're going to conclude with this point. Is, you know, Elizabeth Warren was upset. She said that Kavanaugh and these, these Trump appointees were hiding that they were extremists on Roe versus Wade. Once again, if it's extreme to say, I think that unborn children should be protected universally if possible, then it is also extreme to say a woman has a right to execute her baby anytime she feels like for any reason she wants to at any point. Oh, and what happens if the abortion fails and the baby is born? Nope, kill it. She still has the right. It's up to her. But that somehow, Elizabeth Warren doesn't think that's an extreme situation, a post-birth abortion. And anytime you start talking about this, we start playing our clips of Governor Northam of Virginia saying, we'll keep the baby comfortable, and if the mother wants her axed, we ax her. See, PolitiFact gets very upset when you do that because they're a bunch of hacks. You know, they can't actually take a sound bite or film clip and make sense of it. No, they have to rule in favor of the Democrats because that's what they do. They're politi-Democrat fact or something. No, Elizabeth Warren, you are an extremist. Martha Raddatz is an extremist. Every news anchor who's crying into their hanky over this decision is an extremist. Anybody who always thinks that women and minorities are hardest hit in abortion is an extremist. If you want babies dead, if that makes you happier, if you are that person that Rush Limbaugh talked about, is you get upset when an abortion doesn't occur. When you go reporting at an abortion clinic and you show sad pictures about somebody, oh, look at the waiting room is empty. No baby's dead today. If you're going to get out of violent for that, you might be an extremist. So if you're going to use a word like extremist, why don't you use it for all sides? 
But you can't do that. Why? Because you are the extremist. You are not a centrist. This is the fraud of the media that they present themselves in any way as mainstream. Brent Bozell is right about this. You're not the mainstream media. You're not in the middle. You know, you just like to say, well, wherever I am is where reason resides. Get over yourselves. All right? If you've had just enough, about enough of this, especially when it comes to ideological labeling, it's just one of my little bugaboos. That's why you come to Newsbusters. Come once, twice, 24 times a day. Maybe I'll have a fit in print. You'll enjoy. Thanks for listening.